You are listening to The Mother Good Podcast, episode number 71. I'm your host, Emily Carney. We at Mother Good believe that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. Our content is judgment-free within the context of evidence-based research. Hello, Kay, and welcome to the Mother Good Podcast. Hello, how are you today? Good. Well, I'm so glad that we could finally connect, you know, after the holiday craziness and, you know, Omicron, all that crazy stuff going on (laughs) with uh, everything basically being canceled. But I've heard so many great things about you from our mutual friends. So I'd love for you just to tell all of our listeners, tell us about yourself. Yeah, definitely. So I am an engineer turned educator. I actually started my career as a mechanical engineer specializing in building prototypes for all types of companies, um, from startups to Fortune 500s. Um, So I've worked in a bunch of industries. Uh, I eventually moved into consumer products, uh, working on toys. I worked on action figures and dolls. Uh, While doing that, uh, I started thinking about how I could make toys or products that aren't only just fun, but also educational um, and also engaging. And so I left my job, my corporate job, quote unquote, um, and started Tinker the Robot, where our goal is to spark the innovator in your child. Mm. I love that so much. So uh, that's a basically about your career journey uh, so far. And I know uh, Tinker the Robot, it's for children, right? Maybe you can just tell us uh, about what exactly, maybe just like high level overview before getting into it. Cause I also want to talk about your, your motherhood journey too. Yeah. Uh, so it's mainly about um, how do we engage kids that normally wouldn't feel like they're good at math and science um, throughout my engineering career. I would meet a lot of girls and women and they, they would feel like, Oh my gosh, I could, I wish I had done engineering, but I felt like my math skills or my, physics skills or whatever it was, weren't up to par. And so they kind of abandoned that idea. And so um, using that as kind of inspiration, I thought, how can we teach these topics in a way that would engage these groups that normally wouldn't feel like they're part of it, and also maybe teach it in a way um, that really allows their interests to shine through. And so that's what I've really been thinking about and focusing on with Tinker the Robot. Hmm. I recently read something the past few months that I wish that I knew about when I was younger and when I was in school. And it was something about uh, the fact that math is a struggle for the majority of people. And it's something that you have to struggle through in order to be good at. And I'm sure you can speak to, you know, whether the truth in that, but I was blown away when I read that statement for the first time, because all growing up when I was taking math, classes, I just assumed that I wasn't that great at math because it didn't come naturally, like it wasn't intuitive. And if I would have known that it's something that the vast majority of people struggle with, even people who are quote unquote math gurus, math experts, you know, if I would have known that it wasn't something that's intuitive and you just kind of know it like a genius. And I know there are people like that, but that's a very, very small minority. Uh, But the vast majority of people who do are engineers or, you know, mathematicians or in the sciences, 
if I, I wish I would have known that most people do struggle with it. So is that, has that been your experience as well? And is, is that statement true that, that I did read? Oh, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I'm an engineer. I have a master's in engineering. So I, I would say I'm pretty decent at math, but I definitely struggled with it. Um, in the elementary years, it was very difficult for me to understand a lot of the principles we were learning and to even solve problems. I remember solving word problems was really difficult for me because reading a problem and then breaking it down into some form of formula was something I really struggled with. And I was very lucky, and I'll I'll talk a little bit more about this, but I was really lucky in that my dad, who loves physics and was actually a physics major, would take the time to help me understand what was happening, um, and also helped me reframe the problem in a way that was understandable to me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what's happening with a lot of math education, is that we have a very formulaic approach on how to teach it. And we rarely pause and think, how can I engage the student? And how can I reformat these questions in a way that will actually be interesting to them, so that it brings these concepts home? Wow, that's fascinating too, because you are right that every single person's brain is so individualistic and we all learn in different ways. And when you're in the classroom as a child, you know, it makes sense that they would try to standardize everything and teach everything in one particular way. But at the same time, if if that's that's kind of just taking the average, right, of how the majority of kids learn, but if you're not in that majority or you're you're not the average and you're kind of like an outlier, which I'm sure there's like the outliers are probably more right than the what's in the the average right there's probably more outliers on both sides that it makes sense that you would just need to have it reframed the the math problem or the science problem so that you can understand it that's so fascinating and i i never really thought about that before so that's really neat so that was your dad who who did that for you yeah so we would spend weekends building projects so i i had a i had a in middle school, we were learning about pulleys, and I just couldn't get it. Um, and so we sat down and we built a pulley for my Barbie dream house. You know? <laughs> I love and so that. That was really interesting because we essentially built like a little elevator, and we talked about, you know, how do we make it so it's easier for you to pull? Um, what can we do? How can we kind of hack something together? And that made it interesting for me because not only am I upgrading my Barbie dream house, but I'm also (laughs) doing something fun and learning as well. And what was really awesome about what my dad did was he made sure that I realized that he didn't know all the answers. So sometimes when he didn't know anything, something, he'd say, I don't know. And then this was back in the day before the internet, we'd make a trip to the library. You know, we'd go to Home Depot, we'd go to a hobby shop, and we'd ask those questions and figure it out together. And so it never felt like a, oh, no, I don't know, I can't continue. It was a, oh, I don't know, but what questions should I ask to find out? Mm. I, I really like that a lot. It's so interesting, too, to note that your dad had you apply the scientific knowledge of trying to figure out this pulley to something that you were interested in and passionate about, right? The Barbie, the Barbie dollhouse. That's amazing because... So many times kids just aren't interested interested necessarily because the topic is boring. And it makes sense that girls and women, right, like young girls, wouldn't be interested per se in something that maybe would be more appealing to a, 
a boy, right? So maybe boys might like cars and robots. Again, I'm just generalizing because my daughter actually, she really likes robots and <laughs> cars. Uh, so obviously, like I'm really generalizing here, but she also likes dolls. I'm just generalizing that, you know, a lot of boys tend to like, you know, more robots and action figures, those sorts of things. And so if the science that we're trying to teach our kids is something more appealing to boys, it would make sense that they would like it as opposed to, you know, if if some if a robot looked like a, a Barbie, right, or the there was a scientific project that involved involved dolls or dollhouse, as in your case, that it makes perfect sense that then that would really appeal to the girls. So maybe a lot of the times that girls aren't really attracted to the math and science because of the environment or the t- context, right, and not necessarily the concepts. Yeah, I totally agree. I always think about engineering, and I think it's a little bit of a for us, by us type situation where it was designed by engineers for future engineers. But I think we're at such an exciting point right now where we're understanding that an engineering problem could be anything, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we could re-engineer a breast pump to make it a lot easier for us to pump at work. Like how amazing would that be? And it'd be great to get some female engineers in there because they would actually be able to test and use the product and give true user experience. Mm-hmm. And so what if we reframed it instead of engineering where we're only learning about cars, trains, and automobiles, what about instead of planes, we think of it from a biomimicry perspective and we look at wings. Like how does a bird fly and how has a bird wing evolved um, so that we can take it from a different perspective and hopefully bring in other audiences that wouldn't normally be interested in engineering. What was that term that you used at the beginning, the forest bias, or what? What was that? Oh, so I, I took, I, I always uh, steal from Fubu because I love it. Uh, but like, you know, like for us, bias, and I always oh, feel like, oh, I got yeah. for us, by us, for us, by us. Got so it. I, always feel I like, like that. a lot of engineering content is done that way, where it's for engineers by engineers, mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately, because so much of a large percentage of engineers fall within a very specific demographic, the topics and the content that is presented tends to be only interesting to that group. Mm, interesting. I'll, I, I wrote that down as a note for us bias. I'll have to remember that. So what's interesting about that too is, you know, I'm an attorney as, um, as you know, and a lot of my clients recently have been Um, I've been recommending that they get patents for their different products that they have. And, you know, I'm not a patent attorney, so I refer that stuff out. But obviously, I can guide them towards saying, hey, I think you need a patent here. Here's the referral type thing. But before getting uh, into that area, you know, of kind of just trying to evaluate, you know, what they might want to go talk to a patent lawyer about, I just I had no idea how many things had patents. And I know patents are basically, you know, um, not not giving a legal definition, but just like a very general definition. But patents are basically le- letting the government guarantee that you have rights to a certain scientific discovery or mechanism, right? So like the pulley or um, even the breast pump that you were saying or different toys, you know, all those things that um, I don't even, maybe you could help me with the definition to explain it in everyday terms, like basically what entails the like what how I guess how would you define something that is engineered in a certain way that that someone uh, might want to uh, you know get a patent for 
Yeah, and I, I, I don't know very much about patents, but I, I understand that you would need a specific um, feature and or mechanism uh, that you would want to patent so that you hold um, the license, for lack of a better word, to it so that no one else could replicate it um, or copy your your IP and, and use it or your intellectual property. And I believe most of the time... Um, a lot of the items that are patent have a considerable amount of research behind it uh, so that it took them, you know, X number of times to figure out, hey, this is the mechanism uh, that we need to build and this is how we need to build it. And then getting back to the science and, and the engineering aspect, how would you then define what is, uh, I guess, like an, an an object or a situation where you could actually apply engineering. Cause when you're talking about yeah. trying to break out of the forest bias mentality of, you know, having cars or automotives, those sorts of um, items that can be looked at in type of an engineering mindset. Uh, and then you also mentioned, you know, the wings, the, you know, as an alternative, those sorts of things, what then, how would you define then an object if someone's trying to help their kid, you know, get more interested in engineering or science, those sorts of things? What, how would you define then what to look for in an, an alternative object? Yeah. So are you talking about um, like more of a curriculum or developing a project for them? Yeah, maybe like a, a project. Yeah. So I, I think um, people... I mean, I definitely get intimidated by the word engineering because then you're imagining like a, a NASA scientist, you know, sending something to Mars. But I think <laughs> right, right. I guess that's what I'm trying to articulate is how do we condense an easy definition for yeah. engineering in kids that are elementary school age, you know? Yeah, a great question, because I think um, instead of getting bogged down by all these words that tend to be confusing, um, think of them as tools. Right. So they're, they're tools that you can learn um, to help you solve a problem. And I think fundamentally, as parents, we really just want our child to be you know, authentic to themselves, feel like they can be the best version of themselves and to learn tools to help them problem solve. Um, and so the part that I like to kind of bring in as an engineer or with our products is teach them different problem solving tools. Mm-hmm. And so the way I, I create our kits that I start with the idea of the scientific method. You know, so you observe something, you make a hypothesis, you make an educated guess, um, and then you kind of write out some form of procedure in order to validate that guess. And then you review your results and you make a conclusion. And then so you might go and do it again and again until you've reached the conclusion you want, or maybe it was good enough just to learn. And so I feel like everything we do uh, needs that problem solving, right? Even from like, oh my gosh, not even being able to log on to Zoom. What worked before? How do I do it again, right? Right. Um, to tying your shoelaces, all of that. And I think it's really just about equipping your child with a set of problem solving tools or a process that works for them. And then engineering just happens to be one of those tools. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a very good definition of it, especially in simple terms. That's something I... It's surprisingly, I, I struggle with a lot in terms, I'm sure you do too, because I, I know that you have a toddler that defining <laughs> terms and words in simple terms is very hard, especially when they don't have a big vocabulary. <laughs> so I really like- There's so much pointing. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's good. Uh, so I'd love to, before we get into your boxes a little bit more, um, cause your subscription boxes, I'd love to hear a little bit about your motherhood journey, because it, I think that that might've played some role in your decision to start, uh, you know, tink- tinker the robot. So uh, I would love to hear a little bit about your motherhood journey, you know, how it started off and kind of your involvement. Cause I know you talked about it on the career side, but maybe what was going on behind the scenes um, in, on your motherhood journey too. Yeah. I, I feel like it's just been crazy. Um, <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, all of us kind of feel that, especially with, um, you know, the, with COVID and quarantine yes, yes. and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think uh, so there, there are a few parts of it, right? So first of all, like I was never really a baby person. Like I was kind of like, when they can make complete sentences, then I, I hang out with them. And so yeah. <laughs> the, the first year felt particularly difficult, um, just trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, sleep schedule, this, that, everything. It, that first it felt year is very, hard. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Um, it felt very overwhelming. Yes, um, yes. But I think slowly what I'm realizing is understanding the idea that it is a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know about you, but I always felt like I was very, dest- I was always very destination based. Yes. So it was like getting call, getting into college, right. Finishing your degree, yep. you know, getting the vesting on the 401k, um, all of that. And so to really stop and realize that with, with my baby, my toddler, I, I always keep forgetting that. Um, it's not about a destination. It's about the journey and really just like slowing down and being able to spend time with her um, has been really a fun, interesting, scary, all the emotions wrapped up together. Um, but it's been really great because I, I get to work from home. I get to work on my own business. And so I can call the shots. You know, if I don't really want to put in that much this week and want to spend time with her and it's great weather, we can go to the zoo, we can go to the aquarium. And so it's been really a blessing to be able to just kind of sit down and understand like, hey, there are other facets to my life that I can embrace as well. Hmm. It's kind of a an odd answer, but it's it's been really, really realizing that it's it's truly a journey. Um, and that part of the journey is just slowing down and kind of noticing the moments. That makes mm. sense. I, I like that a lot. And I can relate to, I've had a, a similar journey. Well, I, th- I think anyone probably with a type A personality has had to come to that realization, right? I mean, sure you are being, uh, you know, an engineer and I am obviously, uh, being a lawyer, but it's, it's, it's hard because you've, ra- you've been raised your entire life to, have this uh, productivity mindset, right? That you always have to be productive, whether it's in school, getting good grades, having projects, sports, extracurricular activities, just as you were saying, you know, college, grad school, all that job, whatnot. And having a child is the first time in your life where it's not productivity based. And I, and our society in general doesn't really... I don't know, uh, really cultivate that kind of mentality either. You know, we're really not taught to stop and smell the roses or see things 
from basically a different perspective than an economic outlook. You know, we're just kind of in this box of just having an economic mindset, like a transaction almost for every single interaction. And then children are like, they're humans and they're not, they're not a transaction. They're not a, an economic output or input type thing. So I completely relate to that. And it is, it is hard to, to make that transition. So for you, um, I assume, did you transition to Tinker the Robot kind of around the time when you had, had your child and how, how old is your, your daughter now? Yeah, she's, 26 months and I'm okay. always always count the months because every day counts <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um so I I was working from home working on Tinker the Robot um when I got pregnant and so it's it's just been kind of just part of part of the, the whole world you know okay so you so you got interested and in, into it before you you had your daughter is that Yes. So I've always been interested in um, education and how I can blend that with engineering. Um, I mean, you probably know the stats, only about 26% of professional engineers are, are women. And so I rarely would sit in a meeting with another woman in the meeting. Mm-hmm. And rarely would that woman be a person of color. And so this was something that I wouldn't say bothered me, but kind of made me feel like, hey, this this doesn't feel quite right. And um, what can I do about it? And so th- that's when I started Tinker the Robot. So it was a few years um, before um, I had my baby. Uh, and then I had kind of like a, a fun random job in between that I did for about a year and a half. Nice. So it was kind of the, the motivation for starting it was kind of just to get more girls, more women and women of color to into the profession. Right. Yes. Great. Well, I'd love for you to talk more about Tinker the Robot too. Can you just explain what it is? You know, I've, I've been to your website and I've heard about it, you know, through our mutual friend too, and it looks awesome. So I'd love for you to just tell our listeners all about it. Yeah, so the idea behind it is just to present um, this content, engineering content, in a way that's fun and approachable. Um, and so it actually, the the main spark was I was taking a, mechatronics class which is essentially a a basically means robotics in my graduate school and it was such an amazing class because all we did was build stuff so be like build this and then we'd we'd spend a week building it build this spend a week building it and it was just so much fun um the only thing about it was they had uh like like you know second year calculus (laughs) in part of the curriculum and so what if we took this class, stripped out all the math, and just focus on building something and building small wins. Mm. What would that look like? Um, and so I started developing something called the Robot Build Series, uh, which is essentially that class, but in graphic novel form, where kids follow a story, they do a build, um, and then they learn about the why afterwards. And so that's what inspired um, me to create Tinker the Robot. Um, and that's what I've been working with since. Mm. And it's a subscription box, right? Yes. So it's a limited subscription. It's a five-month subscription. Each month you're introduced to one discipline of engineering and you do five to 10 builds in that discipline. And then at the very end, there's like a little Cosmo quiz uh, where you uh, are asked, hey, which parts of this 
month did you enjoy? And then it gives you potential uh, careers that you might be interested in. Oh, nice. So what what is the age range for this? And then also, um, what is each profession? Because I, I don't really know anything about engineering, even though my dad actually, he's an electrical engineer. Oh, I know fun. electrical, mechanical, that's pretty much it. But Oh, that's awesome. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's more than I knew when I checked engineering on my college application so oh nice well I mean I know of them I just I don't know really much about them so and I feel like that's that's one of the things right a lot of um families are hearing like oh there are a lot of careers in stem a lot of careers in engineering but then they don't even know like oh where do we start and what are those careers and how can we explore that yeah and so yes that was one of the things um, I spoke to probably over a hundred families before I developed this product. Oh wow! And that was something I kept on hearing from moms who were like, all we hear is we need to learn coding. We need to learn coding, but what is engineering? And it's like, Oh, engineering is this vast field with all these different branches underneath it. And you can explore different branches depending on what your interests are. Um, so moving back to the different subjects, um, since it's robotic-based, uh, the first topic is electrical engineering. The second month is programming, so you write some code. Third is sensors, where you build a theremin. Um, fourth is mechanical engineering, where you build a cart. And the fifth is a little bit of bioengineering, um, in that you understand how a sensor works uh, through the lens of understanding sonar. Mm, wow. That's really cool. And then what are the different professions under each? I love to get into that question too, that you talked about when parents say, oh, we know about STEM. And I'd love for you to just talk about like, what, what is STEM? What are the different professions? And also what are the different professions under these different engineering groups? Because I also have the same question (laughs) that I, you know, I've bought like this coding toy for my daughter, hopefully that she would get kind of interested in it. But I'm, basically just as clueless as all those parents that you talk to, too. So, Yeah, so a STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. Um, and so what I like to focus is on the engineering part. Um, and I think engineering is really interesting because it's, it's, there are so many different branches of engineering. Um, my kit, right, that the Robot Build series only focuses on really four of them. But it's so exciting because depending on the interest of your child, you can explore a branch of engineering. So let's say your child is really interested in solar energy. Um, then that's environmental energy. Um, you guys are driving past Palm Springs and you guys see the windmills, right? That's also environmental engineering with a little bit of mechanical engineering um, kind of tied in there. So it, it's it's really like what are your, what topics uh, would your child be interested in, and if they're interested in engineering and building, um, maybe you can find an engineering that actually kind of touches upon that topic. Mm. Um, what's kind of cool now is that you're finding in engineering schools uh, that they're blending a bunch of the engineering topics together. Mm. So our kits are it's it's a robotics kit which is essentially mechatronics. So if you break that down into two words, it's mechanical and electronics. And they always forget to 
loop in kind of the, the programming part because you need to write some code to control it. So it's really cool because now you can graduate with a degree in mechatronics uh, where you're essentially a robot engineer. And so oh, that, was, wow. that wasn't available when I was in college. And it's great to see that this, there's an evolution in the way we're approaching engineering and really seeing like, oh, what do people need in the field? And how can we build a degree that kind of caters to that? Mm. And you said that's called me- mechatronics. Is that what you? Yeah. Mean? So it's it's mech m e c h. Okay. Atronics, just one word. Nice. <laughs> it sounds like a superpower or something. <laughs> it does. It's kind of fun. I feel like it could be like a weird superhero. Like I'm the yeah. mechatronic engineer. Yeah, I know. I feel like I picked that just because it has a cool name. <laughs> no, that's really, I think that's really fascinating too, that just, just as you're saying the different types. I mean, I, I forgot about environmental engineering too. I actually have a friend who, she's not an engineer, but she works um, in that industry and it's, it's pretty fascinating too. So what about STEAM? Is STEAM different than STEM or are they just adding in a, a, uh, topic because isn't that art too or what what's up with that yeah um so my perspective is um you've added the a which is art um i love the idea of steam and i even love the idea of like an extra s for Ooh. storytelling because um, I, like I feel I like, that. like that's how you really bring these concepts home right so i mean instead of us sitting there and like giving you Uh, some formulas and talking about some theories, let's loop it into a story or a problem that you can solve. Mm. Um, So I I think it's really exciting. Um, I think it's great for us to have all these topics and to really bring it to life. Uh, But remember, like, if you really want to focus on one topic, um, just to dive into it and really understand kind of the ins and outs of it, and then uh, teach that uh, with the foundation of uh, bringing it home in a way that is actually interesting for your child mm-hmm. right because it, it art is basically some engineers have to be good at art too at least like drawing right so that is yeah. a legitimate part of engineering i think we always forget that like everything we create all the products we have it's a blend right mm-hmm. an, an engineer could sit there and could be like the best engineer ever but they're if they're not able to properly communicate whether through their words or a drawing or even have um, be a little bit more personable, then those skills are going to be, they're, they're going to be deaf, right? Sorry, they're going to fall on deaf ears. You're not going to be able to actually move forward with any of your concepts. Mm-hmm. And so all these things need to work together. And that's something I really learned um, in my time working on toys is that it's not just the engineer that makes it happen. You need your designer to make sure that this product um, is engaging and fun and brings whatever story you want your child to tell to life. Um, you need your packaging designer to really make sure that this is a product that kids will that will excite and delight them. You need a marketing team to really communicate the value of the product. Um, and you'll probably need all other groups of people to bring that product to life. Um, so steam is great stream is great um it's just about you know understanding like it's not just a singular effort it's definitely a collaborative effort and Mm. making sure that your child has these skills to not only be 
great at one thing, but also be able to communicate whatever those ideals are to other people. Mm. That's such a good point too, because a lot of times I think people tend to get uh, very focused on just one subject and they think, oh, well, you know, this is what I want to major in, or this is a career that I want to have, even if it is engineering, right? Or a type of engineering. Uh, And then you just get hyper-focused on that one topic. And then you don't realize that you need this collaboration or you might need to be good in some other areas to help your specialty, right? Or the expertise that you have. Uh, it's just, you know, you know how people always talk about like the Renaissance person or like the Renaissance man or woman or whatnot. But, um, like, I, I don't know why that is that, that people, I mean, I'm not saying that you have to be a Renaissance person, but at the same time, you just are focusing on one area and saying like, oh, art, you know, art isn't important. Or just as you're saying, like storytelling doesn't matter or whatever you think isn't as important as maybe whatever field you want to go into, especially if it's engineering or whatnot, then you're, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot, right? You're, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure if you want to really optimize your success in whatever expertise area. Oh, definitely. I think the, 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 I had a coworker who gave me the best example. He said, think of your career skills as an upside down T. So the vertical part is something that, you are the expert at. And then the horizontal line represents the things that you're not the greatest at, but you're proficient in, you can communicate well in. And in order to have a strong team, you want all your verticals to be in different places. So together you're all as strong as possible. Mm. I think that's something I've definitely learned um, in engineering and working on teams and working in different industries is that, you know, yes, you're one person and you can do great things, but with other people's help, you can really amplify what you're doing um, because nothing is really accomplished by yourself. Mm. I like that a lot. That's that's really cool. I'll have to remind that I'm taking notes as we're talking because I, I'm, I know what my learning style is and I'm a very visual learner. So if it's not on paper, I'm not going to remember that. So I definitely wrote that down. Um, so what are some other ways that parents can get their kids interested in STEM or STEAM or STREAM, um, just interested in this area in general, you know, engineering minded areas? How can parents get their kids interested in that, especially for girls, since you mentioned that they're just so underrepresented. And as we talked about earlier, that they just tend to I don't know, just have the context isn't really um, girl friendly. Right. Um, so I, I kind of like the the Montessori attitude of follow your child's lead. Um, so what they're interested in, um, leverage that passion to explore other topics. Um, so if, if your daughter is really into fashion, which I feel like mine is, because every day she wants to wear a princess dress. <laughs> um, so cute. Then use that right pattern making is science it's all geometry there's mm-hmm. math involved it's true so you know uh well this is what i'm gonna i'm planning on doing so if she's still into her princess dresses um she's only two so we're thinking ahead um i would love for her to start thinking about like how can i design my own dress you know how can i use um interesting and new materials to create something that looks different from anything else and so uh, letting her kind of use her imagination, 
giving her a strong foundation to then build something off of uh, is what I very much plan on focusing on. Mm. And then I think I'm really lucky in that my mother-in-law is actually a seamstress. She actually made my wedding dress. So what an amazing experience for the two of them to work together on a dress together, right? So not only will she have a mentor, but she'll also be learning from an expert herself and then be able to take those skills and then make something of her own. Mm. I like that a lot. I know it's it's hard when they're so young too, just as you were saying, because they, they go through phases and it's hard to know if this <laughs> phase is going to last or, or whatnot. But I, I think in, in every single area uh, or every, any single phase that they're in, you can kind of, just as you were saying, you know, leverage their passion in, in that way, or even talk, talk about it with them. You know, when you're talking about the storytelling aspect is just having a conversation with your kids, which is something... I'm trying to get better at just talking through them with different things so they understand and and try to understand what their level of understanding is at um, at this moment in time. So it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. It, and as you know, too, when you're uh, trying to juggle career in with that, and I'm sure with you working on your business, too, it's hard because you're bouncing back and forth between mom mindset and work mindset, right? Yeah, it's it's fun though. It's it's an exciting challenge. And it's really exciting cuz it also opens up my mind to like other possibilities. Like, oh, how could I teach a topic like this to her? Um and then it becomes like a creative exercise and how do I make it interesting to her uh so that um it doesn't it doesn't scare her or doesn't doesn't um make her want to run away from it. Yes, exactly. Yes, I really like that a lot. So where can people find uh, Tinker the Robot if they want to get their kids signed up? Oh, I don't know. Did we cover the ages that they're... That it's for? Yeah. Um, so our current kits are for eight plus if a parent is okay working with their child. But if you want them to work independently, I would recommend 10 plus. Um. And I'm working on something for four plus right now. Oh, um, nice! Cool. Yeah, you're going into the the younger age. Yeah, it's it's really been great because um, when I created the first product, um, I got a, a great response from a lot of the families, um, and their main question was like, "Oh, I have a kindergartner. How can I engage them as well?" And and then I did some research and realized there's a lot of in, like engineering related toys, specifically coding based, but there really isn't a toy or a product that teaches kids about potential careers. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of going to be the focus of these kits where the, the kids will get to learn a little bit of vocabulary. So like engineering vocabulary, like what's the difference between a Phillips and a flathead? Um, stuff like that, and then actually do some form of a build or a hands-on activity, um, and then also learn about the potential careers that they could kind of explore if they're interested. Mm, I like that a lot. Yeah, that's a good point, because I feel like a lot of really young kids, they just say careers that they are only exposed to, you know, whether it's firefighter, because they have a firefighter toy or like outfit or um, you know, veterinarian or doctor, those sorts of things. I mean, right now, actually, I shouldn't say right now. So my daughter, actually, she's wanted to be a doctor now for two years. <laughs> Ooh, very cool. So half of her life, which is, 
it's funny when you mentioned, you know, leveraging uh, the passion, the Montessori method, it's that's something that I, I didn't really intentionally do that um, she got this doctor, you know, just like a doctor dress up thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just really stuck with her. She just loved giving pretend checkups. And I, I, I guess the, the whole point of the activity that she did with this doctor is teaching kids empathy. So I guess she really liked helping people, you know, checking up mom and dad and those sorts of things. And still two, two years later, she still is really into that. So I'm trying to, cause I know, you know, obviously doctors have to be good in the science. So I'm trying to figure out how to integrate now the science part of it, if that's really what she wants to do, which now is, no. you know, half of her life since she's only four, <laughs> she's wanted to be a doctor. So that's so cool. Any suggestions on that? <laughs> oh, well, I feel like, I mean, there's so many ways you can do there, I know there are kits out there that help them explore um, like being a doctor. So they'll have like different activities, like taking an x-ray mm. um, and then just learning about general anatomy. But I feel like, oh my gosh, she's so young. She's probably just having so much fun role playing. And then if you can <laughs> yeah. integrate some vocabulary in there like how cool is that yeah yeah I did get her this anatomy but like a kid anatomy book for Christmas Mm -hmm. and she already this morning at breakfast she was pointing to her elbow she's like this is your elbow bone she said I learned about that in that book that Santa got me for Christmas that teaches you about blood and bones oh my gosh (laughs) I love that it's so funny so I'm like okay great yeah so cool oh another thing this is just kind of randomly brainstorming like maybe when you go to the pediatrician have the pediatrician um kind of talk a little bit about what they do as well you know so oh, it can yeah. kind of further pique her interest and also as they're doing you know if they're listening to her heart um see if they'll let her listen to her own heart as oh, well yeah, so that's just kind guy. of bringing yeah. it home yes so she yeah her pediatrician's did something similar to that a year ago. Uh, she just gave her some tools and stuff to like, not like not real tools, like pretend. Uh, well, it's not pretend, but to use in a pretend way, uh, like gloves and band aids and a, a gown, those sorts of things. But yeah, I think she, that would be really cool. If she could hear her own heartbeat or like participate. I think she would really like that. So that's so cute. Oh my yeah. gosh, does she have her own little like hospital setup where she? has a teddy bear that gets sick and then she kind of diagnoses it yeah she well she does that all the time she does checkups all the time like if it's not she loves doing checkups on people but then if we're not available then she'll do a checkup on her you know whatever she has like a little favorite stuffed dog named girly and she does checkups on girls she's like i'm not done checking up girly anyway it's just it's just funny oh what they God. get really get into and yeah she really likes it so i i have to get, be better about um you know, cultivating that though, too, because I feel like it's just kind of hap- haphazard at this point. It's like, oh, here's a book, you know, here, let's talk about this. But it's, I don't know, I just need to get more organized, I think. But oh, I feel like you're doing awesome. I love that you're just like, letting her explore this world. I, think that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it, it's fun for her, right? It's, it's play. And then soon she'll kind of learn that, oh, my gosh, this is something I could learn more about. Yeah, and then she'll probably yeah. start asking for books, and then all of that. And then so next thing you know, she's going to be She's going to be measuring your temperature and telling you um, all about DNA. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I know. I just, I wasn't entirely sure if for age appropriateness though with the anatomy, because I think it is for kids a little bit older and we were looking at like the blood and bones. I'm like, I hope this isn't going to 
freak her out or anything knowing that this is what's inside of her. <laughs> but I guess she's been okay with it. She, I mean, she thinks that it's cool. So she hasn't been freaked out, but I was a little bit nervous. I'm like, I don't know if this is age appropriate, but. <laughs> I feel like, you know, best, right. You, you know, whether it'll scare her, scare her or not. Yeah. Um, and when they kind of at least draw the line. Yes. Hopefully, hopefully. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we're gonna, like um, so much fun. What is that? Oh, it sounds like so much fun. I'm so excited for you. Oh yeah. Thank you. I know. Now that we're talking about, it, I'm like, I need to, need to spend some more time with her on that anatomy book. <laughs> so uh, where can people find Tinker the Robot if they want to uh, get that subscription? Yeah. So check us out our website, um, tinkertherobot.com. Um, feel free to join our mailing list. We also have a page called resources. Oh, nice. And all it is, is free resources. Um, so if you know your child is interested in robotics, but you have no idea where to start, we have a printable PDF that walks you through a robot dissection. Oh, wow. Um, so how you can turn into a lesson. And it's actually made for all ages from first grade all the way up to high school. So there are different ways for you to cater that experience for your child. Wow. Um, one thing we are coming out with in like a week or two, if you follow us on Instagram, are directions for extracting DNA from a strawberry. So this might be something your daughter wow. is interested in. Um, and it, it turns into a great lesson because you just squish some strawberries, you put in some dish soap and some alcohol, and you'll see the DNA uh, come to the top. And that's oh a great goodness. discussion for you to have with your kids. That's and so, so cool. Yeah, we're on Instagram. Yeah, what's Facebook. your Instagram? I'm trying to find it now. Oh, yeah, it's Tinker the Robot. Oh, Tinker so the it's Robot. All, okay. It's all one word. Um, same thing as Facebook. Um, one thing is if you guys follow us and join our mailing list, uh, we're going to start doing monthly challenges. So this month, the challenge is just to post your New Year's resolution. And we're asking that you have a new New Year's re resolution where you tinker with something or build something. Mm. Um, next month is going to be uh, teaching you how to make a light up uh, Valentine's Day card. So we're trying to do these fun activities so you guys can do some easy STEM um, at home. Mm, that sounds really cool. I meant to ask you a little bit too. What is exactly tinkering? I haven't really heard about that before. Oh, I always think it's just playing, right? So oh, nice. Okay. I, I always think like um, like kids love to tinker because they love to take things apart and just kind of explore. So yes, um, building, creating just for just for the fun of it. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was like an engineering term. I'm like, ooh, tinker. That sounds cool. But you're right. Kids love taking apart stuff. I have a one-year-old too. And he just, that's all he wants to do is take stuff apart. And then my daughter just wants to put stuff together. And so that's why they oh, that's fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's all good. So, well, thank you. Oh, I forgot to ask the last question before we oh. stop, which is, uh, one of my favorites, which is in line with our motto, which is, is there a time that you realize that you didn't need to be a perfect mom and that it was okay to be a good one instead? Yeah, I think kind of along the lines of um, the type A personality, always trying to get things right. So I think in the beginning, I was, you know, I was reading a lot of books, um, reading a lot of blogs and looking, a lot of in looking at a lot of Instagram and realizing, <laughs> oh my gosh, our room does not look like that. <laughs> um, and so just thinking about, well, you know, it's really about me 
um, not creating this like perfect environment and being perfect. It's more about me creating an environment that allows my daughter to thrive. Mm. And so that's really great because then it allows me to define what's good and what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. Um, and making it so it's, it's attainable as opposed to this like perfect goal that just is going to drive me crazy. <laughs> mm, yes. I love that so much. Yes. I can, I have to remind myself of that pretty much every day. So <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Yes. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kay, for coming on. And I'm so glad I finally got to meet you virtually after hearing so many good things about you. And I know our listeners will just love our conversation too. I learned so much and I'm sure everyone listening did as well. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Kay.